Hey, Craig. Hey, Jeff. I have no song. Uh, what? I'm not, doing, I'm not doing songs until we're back to normal here, dude. <laughs> I, 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 my creativity is gone. In, in yeah, that I know. With everything going on, it's like creativity is sort of like a little bit low on the on the important scale. And, and you know, you just kind of you kind of got to feel it, right? Kind of got to yeah. feel it. It, might be, it like, might be that or the toddler. I'm not sure. I'll, 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 blame, I'll blame it on the pandemic and the... <laughs> And and the systemic the the uh, confrontation of systemic racism that we're all doing as well. So um, that that uh, that's just draining me. I have nothing left for uh, for song parodies at the start and of our, our podcast. Our beloved soccer team got its ass handed to it today, so that oh, yeah. didn't really help either. Our lifelong uh, team, yeah, that was an, that was an embarrassment. Yeah, Bruce my Dortmund. Day. Dortmund. Oh, well. So, hey, you want to tell them about the show? Yeah. Hey, this is Podcast Versus Everyone. I'm Craig Powers. Uh, with me is Jeff Neusser. Hello. And today we have a special guest. Um, he was uh, kind of uh, sort of our former boss at SP Nation. <laughs> it's not even kind of. He definitely was. <laughs> he was definitely my boss. But he's not my boss anymore, so screw you, Matt Brown. Yeah, and then, uh, Wait, that's listen. not what we're doing here. <laughs> Oh, we trapped you, man. We we caught you. In. We have we have a list of complaints. <laughs> this, this listen. This is all Brian Floyd's problem now, man. I, I mean, no. I don't I don't work there anymore. Send it to him. And, and Brian Floyd is our fault in the first place. Yeah, so. it's specifically my so, fault. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, all goes, it all goes back to you. Yeah, it's true. It's a big damn circle. Oh well. So hey, all right. So I'll go. I'll introduce Matt. Um, so Matt Brown uh, used to work. Used to work at SB Nation. Uh, he yes, as we as we referenced, he was he was my boss uh, more or less at uh, with the college team. I think they're called the team brands now. Uh, they've been called all sorts of things in the decade that I've been doing this. Um, but and Matt is uh, well. First of all, Matt's a really cool guy. So you know that's, and I don't even have to say that anymore because he's not my boss anymore. So I don't have to suck up anymore. <laughs> but uh, that's legit true. Uh, Matt also uh, ha- tells the corniest jokes on Twitter, which is also true. Uh, a really good reason to follow him on Twitter. Um, but now that Matt no longer works uh, at SB Nation, and he was he was a casualty, and, and and I don't know how much you want to talk about this, but a casualty of the current situation, as many people at at SB Nation were but uh matt is taking that lemon juice and trying to make some lemonade and he's uh kind of striking out on his own and he's got an awesome um awesome newsletter that i know he's got sort of big ideas and big plans for and i'm sure we'll we'll give him some space to talk about that but one of the reasons why i wanted to have matt on uh, is because i think the thing i i enjoy most about your um, extra points newsletter and i and i by the way i love the name extra points because it's like it, it's sort of like the it's it's you know it's kind of football adjacent right or or athletics adjacent it's like extra it's 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 the stuff that's off the field that a lot of times people don't talk about or aren't all that knowledgeable about and one of the things i really love about your newsletter is that um you know you take these these concepts that a lot of fans only pay sort of cursory attention to right they don't they don't they aren't always paying attention to the tv contracts they're not always paying attention to you know legislation they're not always paying attention to uh you know trends across higher education that kind of stuff and that's like right in your wheelhouse and so um i guess i wanted to have you on because i thought that would be a really cool thing uh for you to maybe talk about during this uh during this downtime which is sort of the the perfect time 
to address all this. So maybe, um, Matt, like, like what's it been like for you trying to kind of get this up and running, get it off the ground and, um, you know, kind of strike out on your own at a time when, uh, everything is just sort of like chaos. <laughs> yeah. I, I have to admit this in, in many respects, this is actually perfect timing because the, the bulk of what I'm really, I mean, I love college football and I love watching college football and I care about what happens during the games, but the stories that I'm really, really interested in, what I think I've increasingly dedicated myself to are the stuff that has doesn't have as much to do with that, what actually happens on the field. It's a lot of these political stories or financial stories or higher education stories that are really college football and college basketball stories too. And when there's no sports, this is what everybody has to write about right now. And that's already been my beat for a little bit. So on one hand, this timing is good. On the other hand, this timing is terrible because I'm trying to start make this an actual business and ask people for money when we have 20% unemployment. And I'm also trying to, to do everything here, not just writing four times a week and conducting interviews and doing research and all of these things, but also all the back-end entrepreneurial stuff. I'm trying to do sales. I'm trying to you know, talk with lawyers and accountants. And I've got two little kids and, no, and the schools aren't open. So I, I, you're try, I'm doing a lot of stuff here at like um, – you know, 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night, and, and it's hard. But it's for me, I don't feel like I really have a great alternative because it's not like there's media jobs I could go get, right? No one's hiring. No one's really hiring for HR or marketing. I can't even really leave the industry. And so I've built something that people already seem to like. I, I, I know that the kind of content that I'm producing has an audience. It doesn't. It's not a huge audience. They're a little bit of niche stories, but there is definitely an audience. And so I think I owe it to myself to give this a shot. Um, and it's been terrifying these uh, the past couple of months, but also really exciting. It's you get this huge dopamine rush when you log in. You see two other people have decided to pay for what you're actually doing. I've got uh, several athletic directors and, and people within athletic departments who are reading this, which is uh, not what I really anticipated when I launched the project. But I think that's also uh, useful and, and and good to know and an endorsement that I'm not writing things that are ridiculous. And we're going to see how it goes. Um, I'm, I'm very excited for what the next couple of months might bring. Your last newsletter talked about um, the TV contracts that are going to be coming up. And that is yeah. something that is uh, sort of it, it's honestly at the forefront of the minds of a lot of WSU fans, uh, given, you know, our particular situation that, you know, one of the smallest if not the probably the smallest uh, athletic department in in the power five um and so you know really small budget uh relative to their peers and so the tv revenue makes a really massive difference and and of course it's well known that the pac-12 is sort of uh, lagged behind uh its peers um and as they've watched you know larry scott do what 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 he has done with with the network and and the you know the the late night kickoffs and and also by the way getting paid less than everybody else pretty much except for the acc so uh, not exactly a resounding success and and confidence is pretty low that you know with that contract coming up here in the next uh, i think it expires 2024 i think or 23 yeah that sounds about yeah right. but between like 2024 that. and 2026 is when everything's being redone yeah so it, it's in the next few years and so confidence is pretty low that that Larry Scott is is gonna uh, <laughs> gonna deliver the goods this time around. But uh, you know, one of the things I found interesting about what you wrote was that you know that everybody you feel like or, or this uh, you know from what you've seen and also the 
um, the analyst that was in the athletic, uh, just kind of talking about that the, the percentage rise is, is going to be probably about the same across the board for most people. But the problem is there's already this existing gap, which then creates kind of this exponentially widening gap. And, and, you know, so like, how do you feel like, like, do you, do you agree with that analysis? And is there anything the PAC 12 can do in your estimation to, to try and close that gap from a TV perspective, or is it just, you know, this is sort of your lot in life, PAC 12? Yeah, that's a, it's a good question on a lot of different fronts. I've read a couple of different analysts project that not only is that a pre-existing gap likely to stay there, but when you look at the gap between the Pac-12 and the Big Ten and SEC, I think it's probable that after the next round of television contracts, that gap's actually going to get even wider, where you might see a mid- or low-tier Big Ten team, your Indiana, a Rutgers even, pull in $80 million in conference distribution checks a year by 2028, 2029, maybe even more than that. Um, and the Pac-12, I think, actually will improve their, their Tier 1 TV rights, perhaps significantly, in their next round. But then it's hard to see where you're coming even within 25 or $30 million of that. Um, and unfortunately, at this point, and you know, we, you could, we could fire Larry Scott out of a cannon tomorrow, and I really don't think it changes the, the landscape for the Pac-12 all that much because of not just decisions that were made you know, eight years ago, but just the, the the reality of your television markets and where you are in the country. You know, this this is not meant to be disrespectful, but college football is not that big of a deal in a lot of markets in the Pac-12. Um, even in some of these big cities, the right. Bay Area is just simply not a college football hotbed. There are yep. probably more people that care about college football in Salt Lake than there are in San Francisco, despite San yep. Francisco being much bigger. Um, yeah, that's 100% true. <laughs> Like that's that's not an exaggeration. Yeah, and and when you compare that to some of these smaller metros in the Midwest and the South, where college football is a much bigger deal, that makes those areas more useful from from a television perspective. It's unfortunate that the quality of play throughout the conference has deteriorated a little bit over the past couple of years, which is not yep. what you want uh, heading into these negotiations. And what I think is particularly tricky for the Pac-12 is you also have to figure out who who's going to bid. Right, because if you got the SEC now, who's going to put all of their rights on ESPN, and the ACC is putting all of their rights on ESPN, um, there's limited space for some of these Pac-12 games. Especially, there's a, there's I think a real chance that the Big Ten could decide to go completely all in with Fox. They already own uh, a controlling stake of the Big uh, Big Ten network. They've been showcasing Big Ten games in that noon Eastern slot a lot mm -hmm. uh, over this last time slot. Once you get those three leagues out of the way. Then you have to figure out who has the space, like the, the literal programming space, to commit a gigantic resource for the Pac-12. And I know I know Larry Scott likes to talk about, well, maybe we'll go use Apple or maybe we'll go to Netflix. But the risk that you run there is that you're making a gigantic exposure trade-off. And I'm not sure that athletic directors or coaches or other administrators within this league are going to be comfortable with that. Like, yeah, you might actually be able to get a high, you know eight million dollars more from Apple TV, but then if you have to have an app to watch your games and you're completely removed from the bar scene locally, and it becomes right. this 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 technical hangup for older fans, um, and you know, quite frankly, for fans in and maybe some rural parts of Washington or Oregon or Idaho that don't have high speed internet, yeah. Um, it's that that's a really tough sell. Like that's what the Big Twelve is, is seeing right now with a lot of uh, of their fans in Kansas and West Virginia and Oklahoma have buffering problems and are not able to get that experience. So the the, the big question for me is not, hey, what can the 
the Pac-12 do to fix this this television gap? You're going to have the television gap. You could bring in BYU and bring in Boise State and throw every academic's concern out the window and alleviate that a little bit, but that's a complete you know political firestorm, and that's never going to happen. So the, the bigger question is, how do you learn to live with that deficit? Or do you advocate for rule changes that would make that deficit not a very big deal? And, and honestly, those are things that I think are on the table. Um, I'll give you I'll give you a quick example. I, t- I talked about this in the newsletter a little bit, and this is something that I, I you know if I was somebody with Oregon State or with you guys um, or with uh, maybe Utah, I'd be pushing for this really hard. NCAA, Larry Scott, packed, you know, major conference commissioners. They want something called an antitrust exemption from the federal government, which basically says we're going to give the NCAA permission to limit uh, players' compensation through name, image, and likeness or through cost of attendance or some other way. We're going to cap it at some other number, and now you can't sue us anymore. Like That's the legal uh, definition that allows for us to have salary caps. NCAA wants that. Congress, Republicans and Democrats are saying there's no way in hell we're going to give that to you uh, just for nothing. But there's some athletic directors, including some on the West Coast, that have said, what if we tied that to a salary cap for coaches and administrators? And if you have that, and there's a limit to how much your athletic department can spend on a coach or spend completely, well, then the revenue difference doesn't really matter all that much. Like, yeah, okay, Ohio State gets another $40 million. They got to kick it to the general scholarship fund. We got a cap. And if that's the case, then who cares? These are the kind of things that maybe I would be pushing for if I was a, a school that wasn't going to reach revenue parity with athletic departments you know, that are probably worse than Washington State's. Yeah, that's, um, you, you made a lot of good points there, and, and that's something I haven't thought about. I mean, you, when you touched on the, the exposure issue, that's something that uh, our fans deal with. Uh, I, 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 I equate – even the current the situation with the Pac-12 network, which n- never found its way on DirecTV, um, yeah. and so that uh, that just totally cuts off. A, I mean, you talked about bars. Um, most bars have DirecTV because it has an NFL Sunday ticket, and it's it's only like very specific bars that carry Pac-12 network because they know they have Pac-12 fans that will come watch the games. Um, so they have to have a second subscription of maybe Comcast or, or uh, or Dish Network or something, just to be, have the Pac-12 games, and and um, I hadn't thought about that before. And so you talk about the exposure with Apple and things like that. That's you're cutting it down even more. Um, I, I I think it's uh, the the number of homes that have Pac-12 Network versus because they I've lived on the East Coast and you it doesn't come in a regular cable package if you're on the east coast or even like an except you have to get like the sports package to get it and and so people aren't even hunting it down um and then when you're talking about apple that you're taking an even step further because you're people are already paying for you know five subscription services so you're hoping that it lands on the one that they have or whatever yeah so what they've done is create this sort of um atmosphere where you have to kind of be a diehard college football or Pac-12 uh, universe, like one of the university's fans, to go and find these games. Um, if, if they're on Pac-12 Network, which m- many of them are, um, your, your average games, like, you know, maybe the, the premier games might be on at 7.30 on ESPN or whatever, um, but 10.30 on the, on the East Coast, but... But yeah, so the exposure is a huge issue, and I think that's something that we're very sensitive to now. And whenever we hear like 
we're already kind of relegated to these to this network that no one has at time slots that no one watches and, and now we're talking about going on an app that you know I, I have a hard enough time trying to figure out with my dad like you know like setting up so he can watch the pack <laughs> like the coup games yeah uh, yeah and, and and now we're now we're so you you just and, and and my dad's the type of person that watches sports like 12 hours a day so it's like that's what it is. There's there's a huge generational gap. Like I think if you were explicitly trying to market your athletic department to people under forty, you might be able to get away with just putting it on Amazon, Amazon, Amazon Prime, or for Apple or Quibi or whatever fly by night service you want to do. Right, Washington State on Go ninety. But um, <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> if you're trying to reach everybody, you can't really do that. And I, I, I would be pretty surprised if we call them Fang, right? The Facebook, Apple, Google, Netflix, one of these other companies comes in here and buys tier one rights for any major conference network over the next decade um, because you would be limiting your reach so much. And these institutions, even schools that are I – know, I know have financial challenges like Washington State. They, they just can't make that trade-off. They would, they would face an internal revolt not just from their own coaches and administrators but from their fans too and potentially even politicians. Well, yeah, and we have to worry about donors as well. And, yep. and obviously the people with the money that are making the big donations are generally going to be that right now, that older generation uh, that's not going to be maybe uh, down with Apple TV to watch their football games. Exactly right. But I, 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 I want to get like your point of this uh, cap thing. And that's I, I don't think that's something a lot of people have thought about. But that's that's a, that's an interesting way to put it. Um, where you're just kind of forcing the, the like taking away the incentive to like because right now we see the money goes to coaching salaries and it goes to school, schools having far more extravagant uh, facilities than any professional sports team would ever have and, and 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 there obviously there's another place where that money could go to which um, that that's another issue but uh <laughs> Um, but but this, if, if, assuming that never goes to them, to, to the players, uh, then, yeah, they have all this money. And I, I, sending it back to the university and, and through a general scholarship fund is an interesting way. So it's not really touching athletics. Um, so like not touching. Uh, it's I guess when you say general scholarship fund, like the, the athletics one or, or the. The oh, university I, I, at large. I'm thinking the university generally. Like, there's there's lots of different ways that you can set this up, and and I'm not even certain that it's it's especially likely. But a lot of the conversations about um, revenue with college athletics and revenue parity is about what can we do to get more money. What 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 conference realignment decisions can we make? What scheduling decisions can we make? What and what else can we give to our broadcast partners to get more revenue? And we've seen that's been the driving force for just about everything in college sports the last 15 years. And for a lot of schools, that hasn't really improved the experience for students. It hasn't. That certainly hasn't improved the experience for fans. I don't know if you think that your life as a Washington State fan is better in 2020 than it was in 2005, beyond that you get to watch games in higher definition now. I'm sure many of the other things are more challenging. Um, and I think that there is room in this conversation to talk about what if we're what if we're looking at this the wrong way? What if we're looking at instead of how to increase our revenue? What if it's what what can we do to minimize that spending? What can we do to, to bring that number down or force you to spend that money on different things? And that might mean 
spend it on the library, spend it on the business school, <laughs> spend it on improving scholarship aid for, for residents out of state, use it on tuition freezes, use it to pay your adjuncts, use it for all of these, these, these myriad other things rather than chasing the waterfall, which doesn't even give you a lot of utility if everybody else has the dang waterfall too. Like that is what, right now it's very difficult to have that conversation or to do that under current NCAA and legal guidelines. But given that a lot of the stuff's going to get blown up, um, if I was the Pac-12 or if I was the Big 12 for that matter, I'd be pushing really hard for that stuff. Yeah, it seems like something's got to radically change because um, it almost and and like like I was the word that came to mind to me was was death spiral. I think that's probably too dramatic, uh, but but that's kind of how it feels. It feels like this is it, it's this sort of self perpetuating. Uh, problem where um, you know it's it, these gaps are getting bigger and the the spending is getting more extravagant and you know you got schools like Alabama that's got like an army of you know forty five analysts right I mean it's and eighteen you know strength coaches and and it's because why well because they they got that money so where are we going to spend it right and you know so you've got this yeah. situation where there there's really this growing gap and you know WSU is quite proud of their you know, football operations building that, that finally got built, you know, eight years ago or whatever. But it's like, it's like, that's, you know, it's great. I mean, but it, it's sort of like the, the, the entry level, right? Like to, to being relevant in power five, like they've done this and now, you know, they're still trying to play catch up. And, and it seems like, I mean, they're obviously never going to catch up. Like that's not going to happen, but um, it, it just seems like the gap is getting wider and wider and wider. Um, and, and to the point where, you know, and maybe this is a nice, you know, sort of segue into the conversation about name, image and likeness, because, um, you know, right now, you know, really all the best players are going to basically like three schools, right? <laughs> like, um, like recruiting has become, you know, it's there like that, the difference between the haves and the have nots, I think is, is really as big as maybe it's ever been. And, and I, you know, I'm not as historically inclined as you are, so you can sort of correct me if I'm wrong on that. But, um, I mean, right now, basically there are, you know, maybe th like three, like really it's like Ohio state, Clemson and Alabama, basically, and everybody else is sort of, you know, and then you got maybe your Oklahoma's in that second tier, you know, and, and, you know, maybe USC someday can, can get back up there, but it's like, you know, it's, it, I mean, we're just, it, it seems like it's going to take something radical, like what you suggested in order to maybe, uh, create a situation where this, this, these gaps just don't get exponentially bigger and we end up seeing, you know, the same two, three teams, you know, battling it out for the playoff every year. Yeah, it's it's tough to quantify that exactly. I think there might have been a couple of other shorter eras where we've had this level of, of talent stacking one place, probably around World War II, when basically everybody was either in this, like, <laughs> playing for Army, Navy, or Notre Dame, which was mm -hmm. like a, a naval prep school, basically, at this point. Um, and this is a sport that historically usually does not have parity. It's it's, it's rare right. when, when that does happen. But right. I think you are onto something that even in a sport where talent generally concentrates towards the, the same dozen or so schools, it's hyper-concentrating in a couple of places now. And I think the four-team playoff has incentivized that, where 
it makes more sense to try to join a super team if you're really confident that you can get a roster spot where your path to the playoff is much more secure than a, a spot in, in maybe somewhere else within the Power Five. I know I would add Georgia to your list and, and yeah. you know, LSU just won a title and they're recruiting around that level. But yeah, it is like about six or seven teams and none of them are in the Pac-12 right now. One and a half of them are in the Big 12. One and a half of them are in the ACC and one of them is in the Big 10. Um, and... I I am sympathetic to some concerns about like whether this is good for the long-term health of the sport um, and what kind of changes you can make to kind of rectify that a little bit, right? Because you can't have a draft. You can't take agency away from, from athletes. And a lot of the other potential changes that I think really would improve that, uh, that imbalance are, are bad for the players, right? Like you could lower the scholarship limit and that would force good players to not go to Alabama and go to... Uh, you know, UCLA instead, but uh, then you're taking away scholarship opportunities for kids. Like nobody, nobody wants to do that right now. So it's it's possible that some changes in name, image, and likeness. I think rather than hurting that imbalance, I think could actually help it. So expand on that, because because we've made that point before on the show. We're like, actually, maybe you know, since <laughs> since the imbalance is already bad and since like, you know, every kid, every awesome kid is is going places other than WSU. Yeah. You know, maybe this presents an opportunity for a school like Wazoo in a in a small town and, you know, where, you know, a player say, you know, Gardner Minshew, right, could have an outsized uh, influence and and perhaps command some dollars that way. You know, maybe maybe a smaller school um, is able to maybe attract a kid that that they weren't able to attract before because you know I mean the idea that every kid would go to Alabama or every kid would go to, or whatever or or if we you know like wink wink you know there aren't boosters paying kids to come because that would never happen of course um, oh no you know no no that would never happen uh, but it's like you know someone's like oh well you know boosters will just pay you know for kids and they'll just stack their and I'm like these kids still want to play right they still want to go to the NFL they there's only one football and only so many spots on the field so you know maybe there's an opportunity to um, perhaps entice some talent in some ways that you know really aren't available right now what do you think about that idea I think I think that's honestly exactly right and I've talked to a couple of different economists and I've talked to people who work at some business schools and they've said mostly the same thing. Like right now I, I get the, the knee jerk reaction is like, Oh, well, the rich will just get richer. Well in recruiting, the rich almost literally can't, can't get richer. Like you're only right. allowed to sign 25 kids. Right. Yeah. And Alabama and Clemson and Ohio state, they're signing 22 blue chip kids and six of them are going to transfer in a year. Cause they can't see the field. Like, so then you're, you're exactly right. Which, which we have is, I'm inclined to think that schools with, with very passionate fan bases in more rural communities are actually going to be able to offer more name, image, and likeness potent, uh, opportunities than schools in some of these larger markets, where uh, especially schools in larger markets that don't have that kind of fan penetration, right? Like, hey, look, like, look, Miami's a big market. A lot of people care about Miami football. When Miami's seven and five, and the Orange Bowl has seven thousand people in it, or whatever they're calling it right now, like your 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 Q score is tiny. But if you go to a place like Greenville, North Carolina, where ECU is, or go to Pullman, or go to Starkville, or go to Lincoln, and some of these smaller areas where State U, where that school is the first, second, third, and fourth biggest thing in that area, 
if you're good and if you have a personality, yeah, you can capture just about everything local. And then one of the great things about a lot of these likeness opportunities are people keep talking about the, the car dealership, right, or, or, or the, the local bar. But I'm telling you, the, the big money for this is going to be with monetizing social media. And you can get those opportunities mm. anywhere as long as you've built yourself a brand and, and an identity. And I think it's going to be easier to do that in a rural place or a place where you might have a little bit more access to players than you are at a gigantic metropolis. And so then I think it's a great opportunity because then Wazoo can, can go in and talk to some of these kids who are in suburban Los Angeles and literally be able to, to roll out a plan and say, here's what our school is going to do to help you uh, maximize these opportunities. Here's what we're going to do to help you maximize your fundraising opportunities and your, and, your, and your brand development opportunities. And if you don't make it to the NFL, you're going to come away and you're going to learn all of these really important social skills that will help you in your other career. And also, you're going to be able to make actual money. Uh, and you can do that while starting. And you, you could you can have some of those things in you at, in Los Angeles and you know have to fight 60 other people for those same things and might not ever get to play and, and that's a compelling narrative I think yeah I think that um, WSU is actually trying to get out in front of this on our yeah. um, our other podcast Kook Center Hour with Michael Preston uh, he interviewed our new football coach Nick Rolovich and he actually talked about how Wazoo is starting to get out in front of this where they are talking they're already talking to kids about how to use social media to build their brand and how to you know basically strategically do this and i thought that was sort of brilliant and i don't know how many different departments are going down that road but um just the idea that okay here's what we can offer like we can coach you on how to build value for yourself we can train you on this so when you come to wsu like like we can't offer you endorsements but um, but we can give you all of the tools to go out and get them you know and put yourself in a position to collect on that stuff to put yourself in a position to to earn those dollars or or to be um you know a brand ambassador for somebody or whatever which i thought was actually um you know, WSU's not been the most forward-thinking uh, athletic department historically, but um, the guy who's our athletic director now, Pat Chun, who you are probably familiar with as an Ohio mm -hmm. State guy, um, has been just absolutely brilliant in terms of this stuff. So, um, I, yeah, I think I guess it just sort of reinforced your point. I think there's a real opportunity there, and and a chance to. Um, you, you know, go about things in a different way and sell um, their program in a little in, in a way that they that they just can't right now because they're not. You know, it's like not. Hey, you know, come here because our facility is better than Oregon, right? Because it's clearly not. So, you know, what are what are these ways that you can maybe get a little bit of an edge um, using these you know these sort of these new tools that are going to be available? And and it sounds like like I said, Wazoo's not not waiting around for this to come because I think everybody recognizes it's happening. It is, and honestly, for you guys, I think that that means that this your coaching change couldn't have happened at a better time, right? <laughs> because then. Yeah. You have somebody like Rolovich, who's well known for being an eclectic personality and being much more of a player's coach, to be able to come in and say, not only am I going to teach you football, and we're going to win some football games, and we're going to be fun and exciting, but I'm going to let you talk on Twitter. <laughs> I'm going to let you, um, and, and we're going to, as a department, we're going to teach you about how to engage politically or how to engage civically. And, and how to do that in a responsible way or, or how to pick a cause or a charity that's important to you and how to engage with that. And then you have a local community where your athletes carry so much weight, you know, in part because you're a little bit more rural, that you're going to get that experience in a, in a much different way than you would if you were in Los Angeles or in the Bay Area. 
and that's not going to appeal for everybody just like you know Pullman's not for everybody but that I think I think that's a real compelling pitch and and it, we've seen I think a couple of schools in similar situations who are doing that right now like Nebraska absolutely getting out in front of this NIL stuff uh, Georgia Tech is absolutely getting out and doing it. UNLV and Miami, Ohio, are have already like hired brand consultants. They're going to make that part of the pitch. And I think that's going to be true in a lot of places, but not everybody is going to be able to to sell that the same way. And and that's fine. That's one of the fun things about college athletics, right? Some people are going to sell their facilities, their location, their history, tradition, and this pot- can potentially be one of the big advantages that Washington state can take to market. Like I, I, if I'm a fan, I would embrace this new reality. I would be excited about it and not just because it's better for the athletes. Yeah. And I think we, we had a, an example of, of how this can work for players in Pullman, like just obviously very recently with Gardner Minshew, because yeah. uh, what every, the, the country saw Minshew mania uh, for when he, his rookie season at Jacksonville happened the very year before at WSU and he is he is like if you asked many Cougs uh generation like doesn't matter what generation like he might be the most famous like the most favorite WSU football player of all time for even people that are like in their 60s at this point like he was such a big star in his one year and we actually were even guilty about a lot of places were using his likeness and we are guilty of this as well uh we 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 realized what we were doing and took it down but but so you know that mustache and those sunglasses and that that headband like it's it's such a distinct likeness that you're seeing t-shirts and 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 lots of different merchandise and, and everyone's wearing a mustache on their lip like at the football games like he had such a brand he did not tweet instagram or anything the whole entire football season um like i I think he his his last you know instagram was like the day before it started and then like the day after they got their bowl game or something um so he just didn't didn't say a word and he still had such an impact um just using just basically off the promotion of what wsu did and so if if wsu can then help him monetize that he didn't obviously he didn't get a dime of any of these t-shirts or anything that people sold or any of these sunglasses or headbands or anything. Um, and so in, in the, in the, if, if you set it up in a different way, suddenly he can, they're like, once he starts building that brand awareness, they can be like, okay, he can make some money while he's at WSU before he goes to the NFL or anything. And we are, I already see players that are like that at WSU. Obviously, Jeff, you think of like Max Borgie right now, like he is insanely popular at WSU. Yeah. Like he, like people would, like I think you, you're talking about social media, obviously the ads and stuff. Like if Max Borgie was selling stuff like um, Coog stuff or anything, like people would buy it. <laughs> like, and, and if Max Borgie was offering cameo, uh, you, you know, like do the, the cameo thing, like, people would buy that for their kid's birthday or their birthday or whatever. Like yeah. he could be making money off of this stuff already. Cause we even saw, we had a player that left early that ended up James Williams, um, two years ago that, you know, he didn't get drafted. Um, but he kind of left early cause he was having a kid and he, he didn't like, he just needed to go get money. And, 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 if in he immediately he signed up a cameo account 
and was having like kook fans were like buying him to send them like birthday messages and stuff but if because he had no opportunity to capitalize on his fame in school but sudden but he obviously had fame because people were buying that stuff like people were seeking him out because he was famous like he he he's he's booby williams like he's the guy that you know scored that amazing touchdown against oregon people know who he is like uh and so yeah like this is why jeff and i would try to make this point like Pullman creates like these demigods in football because it's like, what else do you have? And and so we there's an opportunity for players to come who maybe were going to be a third string wide receiver on USC, maybe they're a first string wide receiver at WSU, and they're the star and they can market themselves. So yeah, I, I think the last thing I'd just quickly add is I don't think it's just for football. I think right, yeah. This, yeah, this opportunity exists, I think, really, honestly, particularly for women who do not have the same professional earning potential in most sports as men do and who, uh, by and large, have larger followings on social networks that maybe you and I don't utilize as much. But if you come to Pullman and you're just a, an OK basketball player and you got a big YouTube page or a big Instagram page, you can do very well for yourself financially. Um, and and uh, Olympic sport athletes in smaller towns, I think, will shock the world with some of the opportunities that, that they're going to potentially have. Like the, I think I think far and away the big winners here. Yeah, there's going to be some football players going to make a lot of money, but there's going to be a lot of softball players that are going to make some real money, too. Yeah, I think that's the part people tend to think about the stuff that pops first to mind, like, oh, someone's going to, you know, make an endorsement to be on a you know, sell Chevrolets for the local dealership, you know, whatever on a TV commercial. But I I think you're hitting it on the head, which is, you know, YouTube videos or, you know, these sort of like, you know, micro transaction type things where, um, you know, they can trade on that a little bit to, to make some cash. So I think, I think that's the opportunity. Those are the opportunities that maybe people don't think about that are there. I I do want to, um, touch on one other thing before we before we cut you loose and and, because you are you are staying up you are staying up late my friend oh buddy buddy i listen i i am but i've still got some other editing i gotta do so don't worry about it i (laughs) i I have i have made preparations for a longer night this is this is my work this is my office hours now i love it Uh, well yeah because you have children yeah that's I, I love to tell the story about, so I'm an, you know, I, I think you know this, I'm an English teacher and it's like, mm-hmm. I, I grade papers after my kids go to bed. Like there's this window between like eight and maybe like nine thirty where I can actually do something before my brain finally gives out. And, and, but yet I also get enough quiet to, to get something done. So, um, something you wrote about, uh, a couple of newsletters ago was, was about the idea of FBS programs dropping to FCS. And, um, WSU fans are pretty familiar with one program that did that. Probably the, you know, one of the more recent high profile examples of, of that was Idaho, um, dropping down and they were in just sort of a really, you know, shitty situation where, um, they were in originally, you know, they were in a conference that was sort of a disaster with the Sun Belt, in, given that they are nowhere near, the Sun Belt, no. <laughs> right? And so they were in this like mess of a conference and then they got kicked out because they were, you know, so far away and, and everything else. Um, you know, they played as an independent briefly and then finally just said, you know what, screw it. We should go back to F, uh, FCS where they had been, you know, whatever, 30 years ago before they, before they, or 40 years ago before they bumped up. And so this question always comes up, you know, why, why more programs don't do this? 
Um, and, and so, you know, I'm curious for your take on that. You know, you know my, my personal take is just like, like, I tend to be a huge fan of Occam's razor and, you know, the simplest explanation is the best one. And I look around and, and there are still programs that are killing each other to move up to yep. FBS. Right. And so I'm like, look, these are, these institutions are all run by smart people. Like they're not idiots. And so there must be value there that you maybe you can't measure in, 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 you know, dollars or, or whatever. But, um, if these people are, you know, you know, knocking each other over to try and get up to, to FBS when they can, and almost nobody is dropping down to FCS, maybe it's not that bad of a deal or, you know, and, and maybe you can explore this as well. Uh, just maybe it's just, you know, institutional inertia and, you know, face saving and, and whatever to stay up. So so kind of where do you land on this and, and, and how do you feel about maybe whether more programs should should seriously consider this? Sure. So I, I've I've researched the Idaho situation, I, I think, for a while over the, over the past couple of years. I've talked to Idaho's beat writer. If you talk to my business partner has talked to, to Chuck Staben, who was the university president there. We, we've kind of tried to evaluate how that's looked both immediately after the fact and a couple years after the fact. And I think the more I study this, I, I think it's clear Idaho is a, a little bit of a special case, both with their historic um, ties with the, with the big sky, with the fact that their travel costs at the FCS level are actually substantially less than they would be at FBS. And that's not always the case. So I, I think there's three big reasons why schools on, don't do this, even though we can look on paper and say, like, you have no, there's no chance in hell you're ever going to be even an average FBS program, right? We can look at UMass and New Mexico State and Akron and be like, you have sucked for 30 years. Like, wh- who are you kidding? So one of those reasons is that you don't actually save a ton of money in the short term. Television money at the FCS level, it's not very good. Um, if you are in the Big Sky or the Missouri Valley or the Colonial Athletic, you might get maybe a six-figure, like a low six-figure television distribution. And if you're in the MAC or if you're in Conference USA or the Mountain West, you're making a very high six figures, low seven figures. Um, and and losing that and losing that college football playoff distribution isn't nothing. You, the, the amount of money that you can command as a buy game is also very different. If you're a crappy FBS team and you go to Clemson or you go to Ohio State to get murdered, you're going to make one, 1.7 million bucks. And if you're a team like Kent State, you might play two or three of those uh, a season and, and make over $3 million. And if you're, an, if you're Eastern Washington or if you're Montana, your going rate is like a quarter of that. You're making 400000 So you look at those two things here and you, you weigh that against the savings that you have in your salaries and in your travel and in your scholarships. In the short term, it's often a wash. Over the long term, you definitely save money at, FV, at FCS. You don't have nearly the cost increase for salaries or facilities um, or for any of these supplemental expenses. But if you're a university president, you're going to get dunked on real bad. Or an athletic director, you're going to get dunked on real bad as you make that choice. And your school's not going to see the benefits of it for like six to eight years. So why the hell are you going to do it? Like there, there's, there's so many negatives and you're not going to get credit for those positives. And that's, I think, what really happened at Idaho is right now, you're not really enjoying those positives. They're not even really an especially competitive team at the big sky. They probably will see those benefits down the line, but nobody who made that choice is going to get credit for it. So that's a big reason. The other big reason is that for, for a lot of these schools that, that might need to drop down, they don't have a great FCS league partner. 
Um, if you're a school in the MAC, you might actually have increased travel costs uh, at the FCS level. If you're if you're used to do, busing everywhere within Ohio, and now you have to go to to Western Iowa and the Dakotas or, or Southern Missouri, um, and you might have to fly a little bit more. If you're in the South, you might have to fly a little bit more. There's not really a great a stable Southern FCS league at the moment. If you're out West, Big Sky might split at the FCS level. Like that's something I really think is going to happen in a couple of years, and you have you have instability there. So you really need a perfect situation um, for this to make sense. And I honestly think it still does make sense for a couple of FBS programs. There's there's some out there that I think are just getting no brand benefit from you. Know, can, I, can I cuss on this podcast? Yes, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're just getting the ever living shit kicked out of you every week, like UMass is, you're not getting any brand benefit from being an FBS. Like people are aware that your school exists, but what they're tying, what they're remembering isn't that you have a great English department. It's that you're absolutely terrible at football. Well, and they um, were a really good FCS program too, right? They won a national title. They yeah. they 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 were pretty strong, and the Colonial Athletic is a really good league. I look at, you know, I grew up in Ohio. I look at Kent State. I look at Akron. I look at, at some of these other schools there um, that have been bad for my entire lifetime. And they're playing in front of 3,000 fans. And they're 40-point mm-hmm. underdogs every time they play a Big Ten team. You're not getting any advantage out of that. Like, everybody in Ohio already knows who you are. The fact that you guys are aware that Kent State exists does not help Kent State. Um, so there, I think you really do need to have some difficult math conversations. But I'm not surprised that more schools haven't made that jump and i've asked around and talked to people at different athletic departments even with corona and with this big financial crunch i would put the over under on schools that make that change in three years at one i think it is more likely you will see fcs teams drop down or drop out of football entirely or conference realignment to happen than another team to drop down the 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 benefits you get just don't manifest themselves in the short term Craig, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry, I, sorry. I gave a little monologue there. <laughs> but I, I, so a, a quick tie into this. So uh, it, it's not something that's talked about, but there, there have been. There's like one guy in particular that comes on WSU once every, or uh, comes on our blog once every three years, and just rants about this. Like says that WSU should be in the Mountain West, and when you when you talk about those tv figures is that, that you guy craig mentioned. thompson what is that guy craig thompson like that's the only the only no he's just some he's some kook fan like he's okay. some wsu fan i don't know but he's he's a wsu should be in the mountain west and but when you're talking about these tv figures you're talking about kent state gets a a million bucks like like on a, you know yeah like maybe of tv but like tv money like and the mountain like the Mountain West teams outside of like Boise State probably aren't doing a heck of a lot better than that I imagine. They just signed a new deal, but it's like two. Yeah, it, it, it's it's not great either. And 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 WSC is on the low end of of FBS team or you know of Power Five teams, but still uh, getting twenty five million right now or whatever. Like when when you talk when you put these numbers in perspective of what the the FCS schools can do and the FBS schools. And then, and then it's a whole nother, like it's, it's, it's exponential when you come up to a power five conference. So if, if you're a WSU fan and you've ever considered like, Oh, we might win some more if we're in the mountain West. It's like, well, we wouldn't have all these advantages that we currently have and still playing those mountain West teams. So as a mountain West team. So. Yeah, no, that, that, 
that's a completely ridiculous. <laughs> like they're, they're, every every team that's not in the power conference right now would uh, commit many felonies to get into a power five conference <laughs> to, to, to get access to that money. I know. Well, every it's, time realignment comes up, like inevitably there are Boise state fans who are like, Oh, the PAC 12 is looking at us. I'm like, they're not looking at you. You're like not. wishful thinking, man. Like that ain't no. happening. No, yeah. That, yeah. Not, not unless you're uh, you, you developed a grad school like overnight. Right. That's... The only people <laughs> who think that are Boise state fans. Well, it's so. cause yeah. it, it, it happened for Utah. But they like Utah is such a uh, yeah a, a, like a, a much larger research university yeah and just a yeah a more well rounded university with a longer academic history a longer even athletic history and it, and it's like that was Utah was like that prime team to make that jump like there aren't they're like a golden like it like that that was such a unique example of of a school you know the in utah that it was kind of at this point i think back it's like it's kind of weird that they weren't in a major conference at that point yeah i i'll I'll just add this as somebody who's written about this a ton for realignment institutional fit doesn't get talked about enough like i i I think one of the things that we, we really have to kind of change in our minds is that a lot of the base assumptions about conference realignment from like the last decade about like tv markets and um, expanding to grow your television like that that's not the world that we live in right now those assumptions aren't really valid but yeah. institutional fit is a big deal and it's not as big of a deal for every conference but like the Big Ten will care a lot about your graduate research profile and what kind of school you are and the Pac-12 cares a oh, lot yeah. if they if Pac-12 they didn't care cares a lot if they didn't care BYU would be in this league like th- that is why they're 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 not in there and if they didn't care San Diego State would be in this league now event at some point everybody gets desperate enough and they might have to make compromises and that's why Arizona and Arizona State are in this league cuz USC made them even though nobody else really wanted them but like that no that that's that the idea that that would change and you're going to bring in a Boise or you're going to bring in like a Fresno or, or Hawaii or something like that that's just West Virginia message board fiction. It's it's simply not how it works. West Virginia message board fiction. <laughs> Dude, yeah. yeah. I, I, I say this as somebody who literally wrote a book that included conference realignment fan fiction. Like right. yeah. that stuff is something is something else, man. Yeah. Oh, well man. I you know, Coog Center pretty much owes like a lot of its readership to the uh the conference realignment uh that was dance that was that we did a decade ago. Was, that was where the Brian Floyd that we know today was that born. Is. That was <laughs> conference that, realignment. Honestly, that was... That's not a joke. That is no, I, I, I believe it. Like that, that, that part of the internet <laughs> bo- you know, created a lot of college football bloggers today. I, I think was, I have my job today yeah. because of the Big Twelve. There was right. so it was uh, it was me, it was you, Craig, it was Brian, and it was Mark Sandritter. It was. We were like the four horsemen all over that, uh, all over all that realignment stuff. That was that was a search engine gold, my man. Search engine <laughs> oh, man. gold. Yep. Uh, There's one thing yeah. Floyd told me when I worked for him. It's always blog the realignment bullshit. And yeah, dude, people love that. They do. We learned and, that and lesson a long time ago. They do, and and man, even when it's talking about Division Three or America East or whatever, like those are almost all of the biggest stories on Extra Points are about That's some so kind of realignment. Funny. Like, I, I look, yeah. I, I'll just give the people what they want. Yeah, there you go. 
All right. Well, hey, Matt, why don't we uh, why don't we make some space here for you to tell? So we've referenced it a number of times. Why don't you tell the good people what you do? Because I am a subscriber to Extra Points. I'm a paid subscriber to Extra ah, Points. You see, it's, uh, so there's there's, knew, there's an endorsement for you. Why don't you tell people <laughs> about Extra Points? Sure. So I Extra Points is the newsletter that I run. It covers all of the off the field issues that shape college athletics. So there's going to be stories in here about uh, legal developments, about financial developments, about higher ed policy, about demographic shifts, name, image, like this, all this other stuff that actually, you know, these are college football stories, but they're not about like Alabama's depth chart. You can subscribe to it for free and get two newsletters a week in your inbox, um, or you can pay, which is what I would love for you to do. Uh, Cost seven bucks a month or 70 bucks a year, and then you get four. You get a, a podcast a month, and uh, we are going to merge with another podcast, another, another newsletter and podcasting service in, in like a week and a half or so. I'm going to announce the, the full details shortly, which I think will, will add some additional like heft, investigative muscle, and foywell muscle uh, to this operation. Um, so you can find it at mattbrown.substack.com. That's for extra points. And you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at mattbrownep. Um, I'm sharing the newsletters all the time and you can find it and subscribe. And uh, if you're interested, if you've been listening to the podcast this long, if you're interested in, in these kind of stories, um, I think you'll really love this newsletter because it, it's stuff that you're not going to find easily anywhere else. Yeah, man. Well, that's, I mean, that's a hell of a sales job. How many, how many podcasts have you been on giving that speech? Um, a lot. <laughs> I'm taking every bit of earned media I can get right now, man. Like I've I've been on a, a bunch of ex Nation podcasts. I'm doing radio from Portland, Maine to Morgantown, West Virginia to Jonesboro, Arkansas. Uh, no, nope, like that's you, you got to do it, and I'm happy to do it here because yeah. I like you guys. I, I like I your love site, it. but that's I love it. That's that's the gig now. You got to get on fantastic. Ricky O'Donnell's uh, Twitch stream. Uh, during a during a Western Illinois Final Four oh, run or something. That's, that's... That, you know I gotta. He only he lives like two miles from me. It, it sucks because like you know with Corona right now we can't all just go get a beer. Um, I gotta find a way that we could potentially work together. I, I should write like some fake extra points you know story about how Western Illinois grew from nothing <laughs> to this this basketball do- powerhouse thanks to Ricky Charisma. <laughs> That'd and be fantastic. I know. And then it's going to be great trying to explain that to like the athletic director at like Vermont who <laughs> reads this thing. He's like, what the hell is he talking about? Like, well, you know, it's because I'm terminally online, my friend. Hey, yeah. fun fact. I, uh, I, I went to grad school at Vermont. So <laughs> Go Catamounts, baby. Go Catamounts. That's fantastic. Well, Matt, I'm, uh, I'm super excited for, for what this, uh, for what this holds for you. Uh, because, you know, I mean, you know, sometimes, you know, shitty stuff happens, but, um, yeah. you know, you, I, I love the, I love the concept. I love what you're doing. Um, and, and Thank one of the things, one of the reasons I'm happy to support you is because, you know, you were always, uh, always awesome to me. Some of our readers might remember that, uh, I took a trip to Pullman a little over a year ago and got to write some cool stories out of that. And, um, other people might also remember the uh, six thousand word behemoth I wrote about <laughs> being a college football fan, um, and uh, so if you thought that was awesome, Matt is responsible for helping me make that awesome. If you thought that was terrible and overwrought, then blame it, it on Caroline's Matt. Fault. It's totally his fault. So <laughs> yeah, but no, but seriously though, um, yeah, I always appreciated you know working with you, and 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 I'm ex- I'm super excited for uh, for what you're gonna do here. So thanks for jumping on the podcast. Of course, it's it's my pleasure. I it's unfortunate that things ended the way that they did, but I'm I'm grateful 
that over the last seven years, I got to build relationships with a lot of really smart guys like you. Um, it, it was it was my pleasure. All right. Well, maybe we should take a break, Craig. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think uh, SB Nation would appreciate that. All right. Commercial time. And we are back, Craig. That was fun, man. That was uh, Matt was a lot of fun to talk to. What a what an incredibly smart guy. Uh, what a loss for SB Nation, but I know um, like SB Nation really screwed the pooch on that one. Yeah, yeah. Like um, a number of other decisions that were made, but you know, whatever. I guess that's yeah. It's neither here nor there. Where does but, Spencer Hall work now? God, what? damn it! <laughs> like I've 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 tweeted this before, but like. Imagine a world where your decision matrix leads you to pay that guy to go away. And same thing with Matt. Like, like I, I legitimately meant what I said when we were talking earlier is, you know, I mean, he was, he was a, a great person to work for. Um, and, and if you couldn't gather from listening to him, I mean, he, he really is a really smart dude, incredible, um, just institutional knowledge of college football. So one thing he didn't yeah, talk wow. about on when we talked and and so I gave him a chance to plug himself he plugged the newsletter which you should totally subscribe to listen even if you don't want to do the paid subscription you know throw him give him the 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 free subscription you know go sign up for that um and we'll I'll go ahead and tweet that out also um so that you know people know where to find that um but one thing he didn't talk about he actually wrote a book too and the book was called what if question mark what if and and he he explores all these different scenarios you know what if this thing had gone differently. You know, what if, uh, you know, realignment, he mentioned that, right. He mentioned, you know, realignment. And, um, so anyway, it just is, uh, you know, so he, he wrote a book. He's just a really smart dude. Knows a lot about the history of college football, which I'm sure you gathered listening to it. And, um, yeah, so yeah, it was, it was super cool to have him on. And, and I would say not that I had, uh, low expectations, but I wasn't sure what to expect. And, and I would say that, that that interview definitely exceeded my expectations and, and my expectations were, we're fairly lofty heading into it. Yeah, it's uh, uh, it, uh, I, I didn't, I didn't know what to expect. I don't, I don't, I didn't know Matt as well as you do, and and all that. You, you've obviously sung his praises to me before, but um, it, it was your idea to bring him on. I'm so glad you did. I think that was super um, relevant to WSU, and um, I, I hope our listeners enjoyed it. But um, now we can uh, talk about some other things. Uh, Oh, by the way, that I mentioned Ricky O'Donnell uh, at some point. Like, if you want something fun just to follow during this time, uh, go to Ricky O'Donnell's uh, Substack that is about uh, Western Illinois. He he is using the the most recent college basketball video game, uh, College Hoops Two K Eight, and he's taking Western Illinois. He's coaching them, and he's it's just a lot of fun. I don't know if you follow it, Jeff, but I follow it. It's super fun reading reading his like path to like taking them to championships and stuff and then there's another guy who has now written doing fan fiction based on this like so it's been quite of a fun thing so SB Nation has has had still does they're not all gone but like had some incredibly talented people um that were let go um they they have always had just an incredible set of talent and literally like what SB Nation let go um, could create the greatest website on earth. And, um, but, um, I, I would say like Matt, follow him, 
Ricky, follow him, like all these old SB Nation writers. I know that uh, Jason Kirk and Spencer Hall are writing a book that sounds amazing. Um, (laughs) And so, uh, like, I'm looking forward to a lot of what these guys can do just and and these women can do on their own. Um, But, yeah, um, RAP, the OG team, and... uh, (laughs) I know. I've I've been around. You and I have been around SB Nation long enough to see... Well, so I remember many, when so remember, many people come and go. I remember when every day should be Saturday became a part of SB Nation. And That's right. It was so awesome. <laughs> I remember when Bomani Jones worked for SB Nation. Those videos were amazing. Yes, they. That were. was my. That was probably my favorite. Yes, they were. videos at SB Nation. <laughs> well, I love John Boy's videos too, but yeah. Um, but man, like those were so good, and I think there was only like six of them. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> well, you know, but it was pretty good. Yeah. Anyways, so uh, yeah. you uh, probably don't want to hear it about Jeff and I reminiscing about the old days of SP Nation anymore. Probably not. Um, <laughs> probably not. Uh, but yeah, um, so there, there's Coog stuff to talk about. We took a week off. Um, honestly, that you can go back listen to our Black Lives Matter podcast. There's just a lot going on. It's it. There, it's it's hard to do stuff like this right now, but yeah. And I'm all of that still it. stands. I mean, all of that we, we have stands. not moved on, <laughs> you yeah. know, I'm still, you know, actively recruiting, uh, you know, searching for people of color to add to our staff. Uh, it's very much front of mind with me in terms of my, uh, my teaching practice, thinking about how I can work with, you know, anti-racist initiatives at my school, uh, you know, leading into next school year. I know you, after we recorded, uh, went and, you know, marched in Tacoma. So, I mean, these, these are things that are still front of mind for us. Oh, another thing I, I'm also doing, um, I might extend it, but right now it, it ends on uh, Friday the 19th, Juneteenth. Um, I'm, um, oh, we should probably address this when we talk about beer. Um, uh, so I, I am um, raffling off uh, 30, uh, well, five, six pack sets of barrel-aged Skookum beer. Oh. Um uh, what I'm asking is you get an entry for every $10 you donate to a charity. Um, I have a list of charities that I've shared. If you go to my Twitter, um, they're Black Lives Matter related. You know, One of the most popular ones has been the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, which is a good one and um, because um, a lot of companies will match that. Um, so I've had some people that have gotten bonus entries because their company has matched it, which is really cool. Um, but so far, we've raised $972.23, oh, which is pretty cool. That's um, really cool. Uh, that's about uh, about four times what I paid for the beer. So um, that's really cool to see. Um, so uh, on the topic of Skookum, um, we have uh, sang their praises many, many, many times on this podcast uh um their uh lead brewer uh hollis i he he's one of the best in the west coast and the best in the u.s i i fully believe that and he's an excellent dude and uh the things i'm about to uh, say about skookum have nothing to do with him and more about the ownership of skookum um so uh they just um so i'll just tell you about a little bit of controversy that hand that went around with them it's they basically they there was a a, an arlington area video that included some you know it was kind of lighthearted um included um you know uh the police and and it was promoting the police and there was people wearing shirts that say cops rule the the police rule or something and 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 
and it was just uh, in in the moment, it, it kind of it didn't come off very well, and so uh, Skookum got quite a bit of uh, of pushback on that. They took that video down, which was not their video. They were sharing another video um, that was a whole Arlington community thing, um, Arlington, Washington. Um, that's where they're located. Um, they took that down. They put up kind of a, a vanilla Black Lives Matter. We support black people. We hate racism type um, post. And then they got a lot of pushback from some of their followers on that. And so they took that post down. Um, and then they came back with they put that vi the original video back up. And the owner says that he uh, um he basically apologized for uh, having decisions made for the business that didn't align with his beliefs. And so uh, what I read from that and what many read from that is that he does not align with uh, Black Lives Matter movement um, and he doesn't, you know, so, um, yeah, I'm not saying like, you know, he needs to align with the Black Lives Matter movement specifically, but... Just from the reading of it, um, I, I didn't feel very good about it. Um, so I thought a nice way to turn it around is, well, I'm going to use your Skookum beer to raise money for the Black Lives Matter movement. So that's that that's what I'm doing. Um, if the beer is delicious, and like I said, Hollis is an amazing brewer. I've got barley wines and stouts and uh, saisons and, and beautiful beers in there. Um, I don't want to give them up, but uh, I, I thought it would be a really cool way to raise money and I'm really happy with how much money has been raised so far. Um, but yeah, if you want to do that, uh, you can shoot me an email at pod, uh, at podcast versus everyone at gmail.com, um, with a, a screenshot of a, of, of a receipt, um, which is dated after June 10th. Uh, that's when I posted it. Um, and then, or, uh, or, you know, get, get at me on Twitter at the Craig powers, um, and and I'll and I can get you entered to win some of that delicious beer, but anyway, so um, off my soapbox now, uh, jumping off. Uh, what are you drinking right now? <laughs> what I am drinking right now. So I'm on my my second beer of the show, thanks to uh, Matt's awesome interview. Uh, I started with the uh, Fort George Fanzine IPA, which is oh, yeah. a collaboration with Grains of Wrath. So uh, that is fantastic and actually better than I remember from last year. I don't know if uh, I don't know if this year's edition is actually better or if just, you know, sort of my palate, you know, vibes more with what you like now. Perhaps yeah. that, that's perhaps so um, really excellent. And then I have since moved on to uh, Lagunitas phase change, which is a seasonally unexpected, wet, hopped, juicy ale. So. Which is uh, okay. It's okay. So uh, when they say seasonally unexpected wet hop juice ale, do you know what they mean? Do they do they explain it? They I don't think it's explained. Wait, wait, hold on. Uh, I think it's meant okay. Fresh hop, kinda. Yes, I don't know. Like they don't explain it very well in the can, but it seems like that's what they're throwing back to is a fresh hop uh type style yes yeah um so they have uh they they have their own um sort of like hop like they they they've they've kind of been trying to because 
the the beer so Lagunitas has been very much they're they're they very much love uh marijuana cannabis like they're they actually used to have huge festivals so they they have a beer that's called like uh double secret shutdown ale because they literally um got shut down once because they were having a festival and people are just getting uh you know buzz this is before uh, weed was legal and uh but they uh they uh have because they like to make beers that have the flavor of that and and fresh hops because uh hops have the uh, same flavor compounds as weed um aroma compounds i should say um they the fresh hops usually typically um give the more dank kind of uh aromas so they've actually worked really hard to kind of figure out a way to what they call it is a hop liquefaction process and another beer they've used and it was called born again yesterday um so they they've tried it again apparently and uh jeff you've had fresh hop beers you've had oh yes not fresh hop beers does this have a fresh hop vibe to it it? does it does yeah kind of that that kind of grassy kind of earthiness to it for sure nice yep yeah it's good well they're using that heineken money well they are it's good beer solid beer what about you what you drinking well, I've had a few so far. <laughs> uh, the one that I wanted to highlight was uh, Chuckanut Brewing, uh, Citra Leaf Pilsner. Mm. Um, Chuckanut is, uh, they've been around for a while, 2008. Yep. Uh, so that's like, uh, you know, 100 in brewery years at this point, um, in craft brewery Kinda years. Kind of like blog uh, years. Yeah, they're, they're up in Bellingham, and then they have another brewery a little bit further south. I can't remember what town. Um um but yeah they had good food up at the brewery in uh, bellingham i can i can say but they also uh they focus on specifically on german style so like styles that they would make in germany under the what is like the reinskabat or whatever <laughs> like the where they can't you know they, they have very specific brewing laws and it kind of limits the styles they make um but uh they so they uh make probably like I've heard a lot of people say the best German style beers in the U.S. Like of any brewery, um, their pills, their Bohemian style pilsner is fantastic. Um, this is a, and then they have a German style pilsner, also great. Uh, they they do, they, I mean, they do so many different pilsners, Vienna Lager, like all this different, all these German styles, and then um, you know German, Austria, whatever styles, and then uh, they have uh, this one was kind of a new one, the Citra Leaf. So because obviously Citra is a is a new world hop you could say you know it's not it's not one of the saws or or uh you know goldings or anything from from europe um but this is fan it's fantastic like it's just so good um so clean uh the citra adds a little more bitterness and and a little bit uh you know more um inviting aroma um it's just a excellent beer um they've we've been fortunate during the uh during the shutdown that they've sent, you know, some of their bottles that they, they've, their bottles have typically been reserved for just be sold in their brewery and then maybe very local bottle shops, but they've been sending their bottles out and I've been enjoying it. I've been drinking a lot of their bottles and stuff. They, they come in these 500 milliliter, which is, uh, just over 16 ounces bottles. Um, and the, I, I've been enjoying it. Very delicious. Um, then I had, uh, E9 black helmet IPA. Ooh, 
And then I had E9's IPAs, by the way, have been just on point in the last like six months or so. Yeah, they've been they've been crushing it ever since they went to that canning line too. Um, This is a really cool label. It's like all black with like chrome uh, lettering. Like it just looks awesome. Um, And uh, this tasty beer uh, really got that kind of like. that really like a sweet you know like modern ipa um had this kind of like bubblegum uh aspect to it it was very interesting um definitely like they've definitely evolved like uh shane the brewery there has evolved those beers quite a bit uh to to kind of reach like more modern palettes um it's funny he's he leaves the name the same so it's the same old beers that were on untapped like it's like people like you look at the pictures of what people were drinking then and now and it's like completely different but yeah um and now i'm drinking a holy mountain white lodge which is a wit beer and it's like just in a a way way better version of blue moon basically it's fantastic Um, but uh yeah so that was a lot of beer talk today um i told you jeff where this is going to be a two-hour podcast and we are well (laughs) on our way to that we are heading towards that sarah's gonna be sending me texts pretty soon be like when you come into bed yeah yeah someday someday it depends depends what face comes after the after after that message uh based on how quickly jeff leaves that's true um so uh i i won't touch that again and then um (laughs) i've had three beers attaboy okay so um let's talk about the coops there's actually Um, shit that's happened dude i know well what what should we talk about first Uh, basketball recruit i mean obviously that's our favorite hell yeah because it's uh, our show, we exciting. talk about what we want. So yeah, um, Debbie, like Kyle Smith, and our and our boy John Andershek and and that staff just killed it again. Like I know people scholarship. were like, "Oh man, it's such a bummer we lost Marvin Cannon." I, and this is not to disparage Marvin Cannon, mind you, but yeah, continue. We basically got a guy with the same you know sort of level of athleticism, um, more size. Um, but with infinite more potential. Um, uh, Carlos Rosario, uh, class of 20, so he's this recruiting yeah, class. Yeah, this recruiting class. Um, rated on 247. Okay, this is, a, this is kind of a weird thing for me. Um, so 247 rates him as an 89 and a three-star. Which and is like... Just a very like like a hair below a four star. A fair, hair below a four star. Yes, but then their composite rates him a ninety three or almost ninety four and a four star, and like the hundred nineteenth best recruit in the country. Can I? I'll tell you, I do not know what other rating they are using for that composite. And I messaged uh, Jamie Vinnick that that writes for Coog Fan, and he didn't know either. Yeah, like we, I don't know because I looked to find like ESPN did not has not rated him rivals, but to be fair, um, ESPN hasn't rated anybody. Um, ESPN will tell you that we have <laughs> ESPN, ESPN will tell you so we have shitty. one player in our recruiting class yeah. this year, and rivals will tell you we have two. Yeah. Um, so uh, they aren't great sources. Maybe my, my guess is maybe two four seven actually reevaluated him and then just their system as some kind of weird thing. Yeah. Um, because really he didn't really hit a lot of teams' radars until very recently. All of his offers that are listed came May 29th and after. 
So yep. Um, so that that just simply screams a guy who was uh, assumed to not be eligible, and then he was able to get eligible. So that's that. I mean, that's basically it. Like whenever you see that, when you see like a guy who's clearly talented and then, you know, he's not he doesn't commit. He doesn't sign during the regular signing period. And then all of a sudden you see a flood of offers like in May and June, Um, you know, that's it. And 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 it's typically a guy who gets, you know, gets his credit sorted out, gets his diploma and gets cleared by the clearinghouse. And all of a sudden now everybody's like, oh, yeah, we'll give you a scholarship. Um, but, you know, it's the right help to do that, you know, finds the right person to help him do right. that clearinghouse stuff. You know? Yep. So I but I do you know, I will say this, that, um, you know, the the thread here between uh, from, you know, through the recruits that, that Kyle Smith has landed um, Carlos Rosario is really not that different in terms of the way they went about recruiting, you know, the other high profile recruit from California, Deshaun Jackson. Um, that's a guy who uh, Kyle Smith had been on for years, right? Like had identified right. him young, had been recruiting him to San Francisco. Um, and then once, you know, he, he sort of blew up, had, you know, had some injury issues, um, but you know, like was able to recruit him to WSU in a way that he probably wouldn't have been able to it at San Francisco. Um, Rosario is kind of the same deal. You know, Rosario, uh, in his, uh, gave some comments to Kook fan, uh, basically just saying like, look, you know, uh, they, they've been in contact with, with me for a long time and they've been on me for a long time. And, um, you know, so I just felt comfortable, like, um, you know, Kyle Smith, apparently it seems just has this way of, of identifying guys and, um, you know, staying in contact with them. And, and when they come available, you know, he's ready to, to give them a landing spot. You know, this, this landing spot came about because of the departure of Marvin Cannon. I, I don't think they're connected. I don't think it's a, you know, they had Carlos Rosario coming in. And so Marvin Cannon was going out. Like, I, I, I don't think it was that, but, um, you know, if it was what it appears on face value to be, which is, you know, Cannon decided to transfer. And so they had an opening, you know, when you've got guys like this that you, you kind of keep an eye on and keep in contact with. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, he's a six, seven guard, basically. Like, I know he's listed the forward, but I'm pretty sure he's like a like a car, basically like a CJ Ellaby three, like like a three, two kind of swing guy. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting, dude. Like, like this recruiting yeah. class, it's like a top 100 recruiting class. It's um, top 50. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that is, you know, I don't think people need to be told this, but I'll go ahead and say it anyway. That is highly unusual for, yeah, they, for they're, WC they're, basketball. They're checking in at number 49 on two, four, seven right now, which is crazy pants. That's nuts. Like a top 100 is one thing, but like you have two, like four star guys you have two top 150 level guys you have and then you just have three other three stars that are you know you got guys that are full of potential like a lot of high we have like hot a lot of like a lot of these guys are just incredibly upside high athleticism um it's it's just a class and and i and we can talk about we we've already like sung our praises this class when they signed deshaun jackson um, and we'll wait for, you know, Carlos Rosario to sign. I don't know if it's like a period when he can't or not. Um, I think he can sign. Um, yeah. So he can sign a financial aid agreement right now. Yeah. And I'm sure that's what he's going to do. Yeah. So, um, 
There's a lot we could do. Like, one is cool. He did his little thing, and he put on WSU hat. He only had one hat, but still, whatever. Hat ceremony. We want a hat it was, dance. It was turned around. Like, he just didn't, to his credit, don't buy all those hats you're not going to use. That's you don't right. need those hats. We want a hat um, dance. Yeah. It was a pretty cool hat, too. It's like this black with, like, a, I don't know where he got it from. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, so this this class is just exactly the type of class that can not like i'm not this is not about building a program this is changing a program yep. this is this is creating a program that goes to like you could see like this class could be a multiple ncaa tournament class like yep. you look at these guys these are this because it, it's diverse in the type of players you have two bigs you have two small four you have two guards and and a small forward like it's crazy like it, it's it's a team like it's it's a yep. team, and and you bring in like big guys that WSU struggles to get, and a six seven wing that is like Rosario legit. Like I've only seen a few of his tapes, but he's long. He's probably wait. Like, are I would, you saying he's long and athletic? Yes, he absolutely <laughs> is. This dude, we're going to have dudes that dunk on dudes. Like this is like. We've seen Noah try that this year, but now we're going to have like ha the whole team is just dunking on dudes. Like it's, but like, regardless of that, like it's just good players. Like this is the type of class that just builds a program into being like relevant regularly. Yep. And, and honestly with the guys that they threw in, like that they were able to put together just last year in the limited time they have, like bringing in Noah, for example, it and the way they've been able to put this class together, it just it it makes me like so optimistic that they can do this regularly. And 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 then they can like because if you get two classes like if you get this class and then you get another class like this back to back, like suddenly they're like, you know, hello like Tony Bennett era years where like good like. Even just these guys, like, I mean, like, I, these, this has, like, you and I talked about when Smith was hired, we knew he was a good coach, but we just, was he going to, you know, be NCAA tournament? We don't know. He's never done it. He's never done that because he's never had, you know, a big program that, that had expectations of going to an NCAA tournament. But, like, with the guys that he's brought in, I'm like, this is, beyond what I imagined recruiting wise, he already showed us what he can do coaching wise. Like I'm so fucking stoked for this like yeah. basketball program right now. Like I'm so fired up to see what's going to happen with this. Like, like he has the play now, like he has a system he's putting in the players like, and, and, and you just know, like he's going to coach them well. Cause he just has proven that he can do that. And he's got a great staff and like, it's just, this is exciting. Like, basketball school, here we come again. Yeah. It's uh, – I don't know if next year is the year that they take the big leap. Right. Um, you know, a lot of young guys, right? I mean, like, two-thirds of the roster is going to be freshmen and sophomores. So, uh, <laughs> might be asking a lot to, to have a big leap. In fact, I you know, I would not be shocked if they ended up being – about as good next year as they were this year. I think some of that will depend on CJ Ellaby. Obviously, uh, if if he comes back as we are expecting, then you know I I think it'll depend a lot on just how good he is. Um, 
and whether he can sort of carry them a little bit and then and then how much the freshmen can contribute right off the top. I think, you know, there's sort of this interesting dynamic where, you know, it really depends to me on whether C.J. Ellaby sticks around for his senior year or not. I think that the general assumption is, you know, if a guy tests the water after his freshman year, tests the water after his sophomore year, and really is as good as we expect during his junior year, then then he's, you know, he's going to leave. But you know, it, it really depends. I mean, Ellaby has said during this process this year that um, what he's looking for really is a, basically a first round guarantee is what he's looking for. And, you know, the, the assumption is yeah, at this he point, said he got a offer for a two way contract Yeah, last, last year, year, which was, you know, I mean, a two way contract, you know, which is what Frank's got. Yeah. And, and in Frank's yeah. situation, that's not a bad deal as yeah. a freshman coming out. That's, not a great deal. So, um, so, you know, I mean, I, I, you know, it all depends on who's willing to guarantee what and, and what he really wants to go for. Um, but if he does stick oh, around, by the way, who's, um, who, who reported that, the, uh, the two way deal LB, I, I feel like we should credit them. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm trying to remember. I, I, I'd never actually read the whole story, so I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, it might've been Theo. Yeah, I'm not positive. Um, oh, you know what I think it was, it, and maybe some someone will fact check us on this. I think he did an interview, a radio interview, and then that 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 was then turned into a story. Oh, okay. I think I think that's right. But regardless, um, you know, if he sticks around for his senior year, uh, and all these guys that we're super excited about as freshmen are, are are then sophomores, and all these sophomores that we're excited about are are juniors. You know, Noah Williams, Mark Kovetsky, DJ Rodman are juniors. Um, you know, I think 20, 2021, 2022 is really the year where you could be like, yeah, they could actually be, they could actually be really damn good that year. So, but you know, I mean, it's uh, regardless, you know, this upcoming year, it really just depends on how good these freshmen are. Like if they're amazing, then, I mean, this team could really do some crazy stuff, but uh, that's, I don't know. I tend to think that's kind of a big ask. Yeah. But in terms of the long term, you know, you basically have five guys who would be your best recruit in a lot of recent classes. Yep. Like on paper. So that's, I mean, you have two guys that are rated four star by at least one service. Um, and then there's some high three stars, you know, and so it's just. Uh, it's exciting. Um, Going to have that length and athleticism that uh, we always heard that we we would have. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I want basketball season to start. Um, I'm kind of right be, there with you. I want it to be in like the you know the 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 video game that I was talking about with uh, with Ricky O'Donnell. Like, can I just be on two K eight and I can <laughs> simulate and like see how good they're going to be? <laughs> yeah, but first we have a. Maybe, uh, probably football season. At the very football, least, we have recruiting. Yeah. We have football recruiting. And uh, Nick Rolovich has his quarterback. Has his quarterback. Um, Are you excited? I I'm not not excited. <laughs> I... <laughs> 
Yeah. I, I, That's perfect. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm not not excited. I'm just not excited. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, is that. I do know. I do know what you mean, but continue. I mean, there's, it's just this, um, you know, we're looking at this recruiting class and we're just waiting to be wowed and, and, it, and it has, you know, really yet to happen. Uh, and so you're just, uh, you're just hoping that, that, uh, you know, you get the same. And then the quarterback is the one that you, that we've typically been ready to be wowed by. Now the kid like Xavier Ward, like there's nothing against him. Like, and it, it, he's, he's just not like, you know, nationally like a big recruit, but you know, he could be, he's a, he's different that recruit. Um, obviously we're in, in Rolovich's offense, he's looking for more quarterbacks that can run, um, you know, a dual threat, uh, quarterback, if you will. Um, we saw his quarterback whose name I'm blanking on run like a pretty quick four uh, forty time at the combine this year. I think he ran like a four six and he did get drafted. Um, but, um, I think before Gordon got drafted, um, but, uh, but, uh, uh, but Ward is, uh, I don't know, man. He, he's he's fine. Like uh, it's good. It's, I will it's say he's. I think he's an interesting prospect. Yeah, I like, think definitely. Uh, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. There, there like, have been a like lot of he's... look. There are a lot of guys in this class where I don't think like, wow, that's a really interesting guy. Like, you know, we have. There, two, he's the, also the second Xavier in the class. Yeah, how about that? Um, yeah, I mean, Xavier. I I look up and down this class, and you know we've talked about this before, so I'm not going to belabor the point. But um, you know, I just like I don't see guys in the class where I go, "Ooh, that's that's an intriguing guy." Like that's super interesting. You know, I could see that guy maybe developing into a monster. Um, you know, there's not a lot of that in this class, to be honest. Uh, but this this guy does seem like maybe he does fit that mold. That if we're looking for guys who are kind of toolsy, right? Anybody who's a baseball yeah. fan, you know, will be familiar with that term, right? That, that somebody's toolsy. Uh, Xavier Ward is toolsy. Uh, he is number one. He's young for his class. He's only 16 right now, which is sort of insane. Um, yeah. You know, as, as a high school teacher, I'll be honest, uh, even mildly athletically inclined boys are typically held back <laughs> rather yeah. than yeah. move forward. Um, that That's a pretty typical move uh, in the last couple decades by parents to, to sort of, you know, take their athletically minded kid and, and start him a little bit late. And, and by the way, as, as a, as a teacher, males who get held back, I think it's great. <laughs> like there's, there's a little added maturity on the back end by the time you get to high school. And so I don't mind that. So Xavier Ward is, he's a different kid in that respect. Um, he is young. He's 16 right now. I, I would presume he's going to be 17 when he starts his senior year. Cause that would be super weird otherwise, but, um, but he's definitely young and, that, and that's important to note. Um, you know, reports on him, you know, big hands, big arm, Okay, whatever, I guess. Um, fairly mobile, but, you know, really seems like a guy with a lot of raw tools who is growing into his frame and, uh, you know, maybe his best days are ahead of him. So, you know, I don't mind guys like that. Um, I, I really don't, especially with the quarterback situation. Obviously, you've got, you know, Cameron Cooper and Gunnar Cruz, uh, who are both young. 
and and then Jaden Delora, who's obviously coming in as a freshman. So you've got yeah. three. We got quarterbacks. Yeah, pretty talented quarterbacks. Uh, who you, you got to figure at least one of those guys is probably going to transfer out. Um, I, I would imagine that the person who wins the quarterback job this fall is going to be either Cruz or Cooper, and it wouldn't shock me if the loser of that uh, ended up, you know, taken off. So, um, you know, you can afford to take on a guy who's pretty toolsy, who uh, needs to develop a little bit, and and maybe has a has a high ceiling, even if um, his floor is also pretty low. So, so yeah, I've you know I feel good about this. Um, you know, yeah. there are a lot of guys in this class where I go, eh, you know, but uh, but he's one where I go, yeah, yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. But and I will say like we've you know we've we've kind of we've been you know lamenting the the recruiting class so far, but WSU still is sixth currently, and that's not out of just because they have more commits than the other teams. Like really, they don't. That like uh, they have eight commits. Uh, like their their average rating of commits is is pretty similar to the seven eight nine teams. So it's like. Um, maybe some other schools kind of in that second tier of recruiting in the Pac-12 are also struggling with, with in, in this pandemic. And, and uh, maybe that uh, maybe we shouldn't be fretting too much, um, but maybe it's a situation where the rich are getting richer because it's easier to commit to the, to the name program if you can't visit anywhere yeah. and talk to anybody. Yep. I think that's, I think that's 100% true. And then, you know, the charm of Pullman obviously is visiting. So, Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because because it seems like you know the guys at the top are doing just fine, but yep. Um, yep. Although USC does not have a five star, only ten four stars. Ugh. What are you doing, Clay Helton? Loser. How can you build a program with only four stars? Although Washington did just land their quarterback in this class, a grad transfer. <laughs> From Portland State. From or, Portland State. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Sacramento State. Hey. My bad. You're forgetting about their their next T word. Yeah, I know. That's that was funny. You know, you mentioned Jamie Vinnick earlier. Uh his his joke was that um was that this this was an attempt to clear the QB room before Sam Heward shows up, which, you know, plausible. Totally plausible. Yeah, try, to, try to get people to transfer out. Yeah, like oh, this guy's gonna start out. You better transfer out. Yeah, probably time to go. Y'all got a legacy coming in. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, uh, what else do we have to talk about? Um, what did we miss? Oh, Mississippi State. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Can't can't Not wait. Well. I'm gonna be in my fifties when that game is played. My kids will you be in it. college. You gonna go to Starkville with me? <laughs> I don't. Maybe, I don't know. Like my oldest kid will be what graduated from college. We're gonna we're gonna take Ish. Josh to Starkville, dude. We're gonna take him to Starkville with us. Yeah, that'll be funny. My daughter will be. <laughs> uh, let's see. She'll the be first 12. game. She'll be thir- twelve. Thirteen. The second game. She'll be thirteen. She'll probably be equally as uh, obnoxious as she is right now as a two-year-old. So, What are you talking about? Your kid is adorable. Yeah. I only have to see her every once in a while, though. Yeah, when, when we're like on Zoom and she goes, <laughs> I want to see Jeff. And I'm like, hi, B. And then she's just like. And then she leaves. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that um, is but, true. 
But yes, WSU has booked a home and home with Mississippi State. Yeah. In 2030 and 2031. What what are the odds that, you know, 60 whatever year old Mike Leach is still coaching at Mississippi State? 69. Nice. Yeah. Uh nice. low in my opinion. Extremely low. <laughs> One yeah. I I I I've never thought of Leach as someone that would coach that long. And then I've also, I don't know, in the, I, I, I don't envision an SEC coach sticking around that long. That isn't, you know, a, a national championship contender guy. Yeah. And we know Leach is not going to be that guy. No. Um, so, and I also, I looked up all time Mississippi State. They've had one coach that has coached more than 10 years. And that was, uh, I believe, Jack Sherrill. From like ninety one to two thousand. Jackie Sherrill, former WSU yeah. coach. Yep. Um, so well, there you go. Guaranteed he's going to coach more than tw- <laughs> ten years. Um, so uh but yeah, um I I don't know if if Leach locks in into his seven eight win, he could stay around for that long. I feel like Mississippi State would be well, maybe they might wouldn't be fine with it. I don't know. Um but I I don't know. I feel like Leach will just not want to do it anymore by then when he's yeah. 69 years old. Like, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But that would be – that. I think it would be pretty fun, like, by then especially, um, if, if Leach came back to Pullman because, you know, any – like it would just be fun. Like just it to would talk be about, like, ridiculous, especially fun. if Rolo works out. Yeah. <laughs> like, now, if WSU gets plunged into the darkness, like after Price left, um, it probably wouldn't be as much fun. Yeah, that actually would suck. <laughs> I'll be honest about that. Yeah. Um. But but yeah. So I mean, this is cool. Like it. The regardless of the Leech connection or anything, to get a home and home with an SEC team is really cool like and even if it's 10 years down the road and they're gonna buy the game out or whatever i don't see mississippi state as a program that would buy the game out um but maybe they would uh but still it's it's pretty cool like to to think about having a home and home with an sec team um and then that being one of a string of uh home and homes with power power five schools that they have in the next 12 years like Again, you know, you have that cynical side that says, will those actually be home and homes? Will college yeah. football exist? Teams uh, are buying uh, out less. I think we've mentioned that before, but teams are buying out way well, less than what they We also, to. like WSU makes, like when Wisconsin bought out the last one or whatever, WSU makes double the revenue uh, uh a home game because of the suites and the right. and the, the calf. So we can pay, we can pay a bigger share. So it's not, it's not like they can go, well, we'd rather just play Akron and, uh, and make that money and pay them a million dollars. Like Matt said, uh, you know, to play us. Um, and we'd make more money. It might actually, you know, they'd make enough money and it'd be an interesting enough game that they, they'll come out. So, We'll see with uh, Wisconsin in, in uh, three years here, um, uh, but yeah, it's a. Uh, now we got Mississippi State. Again, it's like, what do you say? Like, it's 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 so far. It's over a decade from now. <laughs> like it's like it's it's. Yeah, I don't know about you, Jeff. When when I see it, like college football teams book these 
series in the far distant future, which is pretty regular now, I always immediately think to how old I'm going to be yes. when that game happens. Yes, absolutely. What will my life look like then? Like, what is the world going to look like in 2030? <laughs> like, what the hell? Like you said, will college football still exist? Yeah, will Who college knows? football still exist in 2030? I don't know. Will Coog Center still be around? Maybe? Probably? <laughs> I don't know. Will we still be writing? Will I still be Center? alive? I think so. God, I'm I not sure, so. though. That was more that of a got dark. Jesus. <laughs> yes, Jeff, you will. But like I said, like this Mississippi State game, like my oldest son, he's 13. He'll be uh, 23 when that game is played. Like That's I can't nice. even I can't even imagine a world where my 13 year old is 23. So well, I can't. Yeah. And I can't imagine a world where my toddler is a teenager. That's horrifying. It is actually I, I'll just tell you, it's as bad as you imagine. Just so yeah. you know. I know. I remember when your teenager was a toddler. Uh, yes, you do. <laughs> I know, right? Good lord! But doesn't uh, seem that long ago. No, actually. It, it wasn't. So actually, it really wasn't will, that long ago. This game will be here before we know it. Yeah, that's we'll that's be- the thing. The older I get, the more I'm like, yeah, these games, like, oh my god, that's so far away, and now it's like, you know, Wisconsin's like. Two but years also, from now, sitting here at thirty-five and thinking about being forty-six when <laughs> Mississippi State comes to Pullman—that's a—that's a lot of—that's a lot of, that's a lot of uh, aging. I know. I'm gonna be Maybe fifty a, you, something. Like, oh yeah, dude. Come on, man. Come on. Killing me. I'm dying my dad a little. Was, my dad was. Let's see. He had me when he was. I was born. When oh I man, I've I have played this game so many. My times. dad was forty-one when I went to WSU. So same, I'll be okay. Like... Same deal with my parents. Like my dad, I sometimes I do this game where I think like, okay, when I was when my dad was the age that I am now, I was blank, and my kid is blank, and same thing. Like when my dad was the age that I am now, I was like, I don't know, I think a senior at Wazoo. Right. Something like that. And uh, yeah. And I have a, I have a middle schooler. So, yeah. When my Trips dad was the out. age I am now. Trips I, me I guess the hell I was, out. I guess I was going. I was like 12. And I only have a toddler. I, I, I started way later. Me too. Me too. But yeah. Uh, that should be fun, though. Like, it's cool. Like, so they're lining up uh, power five you know, basically one power five, uh, game a year. A year. Yeah. They got Can- game a year, so except yeah, for Wisconsin and then Kansas state and Kansas. Yeah. The so. Kansas one is spread out, but like it's, it's yeah, it's like, uh, I it's think Wisconsin, they come, the Kansas, Kansas is different because they actually come to Pullman first. Right. And that's one of the few, uh, the few schools I think yeah. that we could do that with. I do know five. that. Um, so sometimes people are like, people stress out about the fact that, you know, the, the return trip to Pullman is always second, uh, on most of these, I, you know, I did a story a few years ago. I can't remember how many years ago it was now, but I did a story a few years ago, looking at the WC football schedule and trying to figure out like the whole, you know, sequence of who's coming when, and is there anything to read into it? And the, the athletic department insisted to me that there was nothing to read into the fact that, you know, it, we were typically going there first and then the other team was coming second. 
And it the explanation they had was simply that uh, it just worked out that way because the biggest thing that they want to do is try and get seven home games in Pullman every year. Mm-hmm. That that's the yeah. goal. Um, it doesn't always work out that way, but that that's what they're always trying to do. So when basically they're in a cycle right now where when they when they sign an agreement with a team, um, it just works out that they go there first and come here second because of the way that the home and road schedules with the Pac-12 work out and the way that they've scheduled their other non-conference games. And I don't know that I totally believe it, but that's basic. That was their explanation. And it, you know, it, it does make some logical sense, this idea that, um, Basically, when when they are playing at, uh, say, at one of these Power 5 teams, that the other two non-conference games will be home games, and then they've got, um, you know, five uh, Pac-12 home games that year. So they've, they're have they trying to get seven, basically. So that's kind of how it's working out. And, and so when they are at home with one of those, you know, teams that, um, you know, maybe they play – you know, two other small conference teams at home that year as well. And away you go. You get your seven you get your seven home games on those years when you've got four Pac twelve home games. So yeah. Yeah. As uh, as well uh as you recall, um we actually played Boise State. They came to Pullman second. Um I don't think anyone was worried about them yeah. buying out the back end. And you know, and let's just be honest, like the, the buyouts don't happen quite as much as as they did um so that's something people should remember also they just don't happen as much athletic departments are are a lot more reticent to just you know drop you know you know a million bucks on buying out a game um than they used to be i will say i am i'm excited for with a team like wisconsin to play in pullman dude that's gonna be so much fun but I am way more excited to go to Madison and hell yeah. (laughs) Oh, we are going, we are absolutely Uh, going. We got to get PJ to fly in from Germany. Like we got to do. I can't can't remember what uh, tailgate it was, but BA and I planned this out. Like we were getting, we were getting like commitments from significant others and everything. We're like, we're going to like, what do we get to do with the kid? And you know, I got to make this happen. Freaking flyer miles. Let's go. Uh, book now. Uh, the flights are cheap. I'm sure. Can you book them that far in advance? No, that's a joke. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> well, I just, you know, like I know how much you travel, and I'm, I'm thinking, like, <laughs> wait, does, does Craig know something I don't know? Like, yeah, I didn't think you a, could book them that far in advance, but you cannot book maybe a flight to, over two years in advance. Usually, <laughs> I, like, I, don't know. I think like. The, a year is the limit. Like, I, I, but even a lot of airlines don't let you go that far. Yeah, yeah. Well, anything else? Uh, yeah. No, I think that's it, man. We've gone. Good night. This could be like hour and forty-five. Well, it's Good not show. two hours. Good so. show. Not our longest episode. Yeah, and they can they can find us on the internets. On, yeah, uh, the emails. Yeah, if, if you want to try to win good Skook and Beer. Yeah, I should do that. Podcast versus everyone. Ugh. Donate. Look at my Twitter, uh, at the Craig Powers. Have all the details on there. My pinned tweet will Hell offer yeah. up your details there. Um, I might extend it just because I talked about it on the podcast, and so I might extend it. I, I, I had a symbolic date of Juneteenth, but Ugh. maybe I'll, so maybe much I'll push good it beer. back. 
My goodness. So much good beer. Um, yeah, uh, send us an email, everyone at gmail.com. Jeff at pod versus everyone. I've already said my Twitter. That's all the relevant information. You should subscribe. Yeah. Subscribe should, to Matt Brown, too. Subscribe to Matt Brown. You should raise five stars. You should subscribe to Ricky O'Donnell's Western Illinois. You should do all that stack. stuff. Hell yeah. Um, I've been following that pretty hard i love it um every time they get to a a sweet 16 he live streams the computer simulation of the game it's pretty it's more engaged like it's like you know you are starved for sports content when uh you're just like watching a highlight package of a computer simulated video game of a game that was that came out in 2008 or 2007 like it's so great I'm so pissed off that I don't have my NCAA 14 game anymore. Like, I'm just so frustrated by that. I'd be playing that all the time right now. I still have my 360, although I think it doesn't actually work. I only have time for Animal Crossing right now. I'm sorry. Oh, I have time for. I have to dig (laughs) for fossils and fish and and build things. Uh, (laughs) You know, it's just I'm busy. Although Mm -hmm. my little dude... Has a custom-made Coogs shirt and a Wazoo hat, so oh. he's a badass. Um, and some Gardner Minshew aviators and some cut-off jean shorts. So um, he is looking good. I uh, think I may need to move on to my uh, NBA 2K Sonics team that has Zion Williamson oh, on it. By by the way, uh, I talked about Ricky O'Donnell. His next project he's starting this week, he is – He's taking one of his most f- popular players from the uh, the college game and and putting him into 2K with a custom Sonics team. Ooh! So he's doing now. He's doing a, a Sonics. Now he's My doing man. a Sonics team. My man. That's what I'm talking about. Go Sonics. Go Sonics. All right. Okay. All right. Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter, Craig. Go Cougs. Go Cougs. Bye.